Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Great to be with you here on Listen Up. We have a lot to talk about on this Monday. The NFL Raiders and Ravens tonight. We'll get to that in just a little bit. First of all, I hope everybody had a fabulous weekend. Man, there was so much going on with college football and the U.S. Open, the women's and men's finals, and then, of course, yesterday, a full slate of NFL games. I want to start off by saying that uh, I was so impressed with what I saw this weekend in terms of 9-11 tributes You know, the Army football team, every member running onto the field, holding an American flag. I thought the NFL did a phenomenal job before the early games yesterday. Just a great job with their video, followed by the national anthem from a daughter of just the tragedy of 20 years ago. She lost her dad, and she sang the national anthem at the fountains at the trade centers downtown. I mean, it was just a phenomenal, phenomenal rendition of the national anthem before uh, kickoff. So a great job uh, to the NFL. Great job to just everyone in this country. As I think it was a very patriotic weekend. Uh, we saw it in our college venues, and I think it carried over uh, to the NFL. So I wanted to start off by just saying that because I, I was really, really impressed with what I saw all weekend from uh, this country. All right. So now we move on. Why don't we start with uh, – some games that really caught my eye. Uh, I think the team that I was most surprised with, there are two teams that really stood out to me, all right? One was the Arizona Cardinals. As they go into Nashville, and they beat the Tennessee Titans 38-13. to I mean, it was men against boys in this game. I mean, it was 24-6 to at the half. Kyler Murray was phenomenal for 289 yards and four touchdowns. Hopkins, once again, doing his damage, 83 yards in receptions, two touchdowns. But I got to tell you, I was so impressed with Arizona. I picked Tennessee to win this game. I really thought Tennessee was going to be a lot better. And again, I'm not overreacting to one game. But boy, oh boy, were they good. That was a heck of a performance by the Arizona Cardinals. And then, of course, you get to the game in Jacksonville with the New Orleans Saints and the Green Bay Packers. And I don't know if I've ever seen Aaron Rodgers looked more disinterested, completely out of the game than I did yesterday. 38-3, to Jameis Winston only, only threw for 148 yards because he didn't have to do any more than that. But with those 148 yards and 14 completions, he had five touchdowns. Meanwhile, Aaron Rodgers, you ready for this? 133 yards passing, two interceptions, and the first interception really – 
changed any momentum that the Packers had of getting back into the game around. It was 17-3. They were driving. They were in the red zone. And Rodgers made an absolutely horrible, horrible decision. Final score, 38-3. And, you know, you want to talk about one game. Yeah, I'm not going to get blown away over one game. The Packers go home a week from tonight, and they take on the Detroit Lions. But if you're a Packers fan, you tell me, did that team look like they wanted to be on the field? Was there a hangover from all the offseason nonsense that went on? How much did it affect Aaron Rodgers? I mean, have you ever seen Aaron Rodgers look more dismal? I mean, it's one thing to have an off game. I mean, but he was terrible. The whole Packers team, the defense, terrible. Absolutely a horrible performance by the Green Bay Packers. Now, again, if they lose on Monday night to the Lions, then you got some real major issues. Speaking of the Lions, the Niners went in there. They won 41-3, game not as close as the final score indicated. The Lions put 16 points up in the fourth quarter. The Niners were in a cakewalk there. Jimmy Garoppolo, excellent game, excellent game. Uh, Kyle Shanahan used Trey Lance for a couple of snaps. His first one, he threw a touchdown pass. But I, I like what I saw from the Niners. Unfortunately, boy, the injuries, Barrett with an ACL, Mostert out six to eight weeks. Uh, it was not a good game on the injury front for the San Francisco 49ers. But they win 41-33. to 33. How about the NFC West? Already 4-0. Seattle goes in and beats Indianapolis. And then last night, we saw the debut of Matthew Stafford wearing a Rams uniform. And he was good. What the hell were the – I mean, were the Bears trying to guard anybody out there? How about the first two touchdowns? I mean, guys are wide open. Stafford 20 or 26 for 321 and three touchdowns. But seriously, what's going on with the Bears defense? I keep on hearing how great the Bears defense is. That defense to you look good last night? I mean, seriously, guys running wide open. Wide open. I mean, brutal. Then, of course, you have the Chiefs. They beat the Browns 33 to 29. They outscore the Brownies 23 to 7 in the second half. Mahomes doing what Mahomes does, 27 of 36 for 337 and three touchdowns. Tyreek Hill, another great game. I mean, how good is this guy? 11 receptions, 197 yards, and a touchdown. But, you know, the, the, the Chiefs can look awful like they did in the Super Bowl for a couple of quarters. That was two years ago against the Niners. And then all of a sudden, it's like they are, you know, blasted out of a rocket. Uh, it's unbelievable. 33 to 29, a costly interception by May, uh, Baker Mayfield. Punter drops the ball, sets up a short field for Kansas City on the go-ahead touchdown. That was, again, vintage, vintage uh, Kansas City. All right? Now, here's a game that I got wrong. I thought Buffalo was really jacked up to a point where they were going to make a statement in the opening week of the season. Not only did they not make a statement, they lost 23 to 16. The Steelers scored 17 points in the fourth quarter. Josh Allen did not look good. Had to throw the ball 51 times. 30 of 51 for 270 yards, 23-16. And I learned my lesson again. And my lesson is, don't ever go against a Mike Tomlin coach team. I love that guy. Just he's one of my favorite coaches year in, year out in the NFL. I love how he coaches this team. They they always seem to be in it. Uh, you can never count the Steelers out. 
And again, 23 to 16. And I was waiting for that Bills pass rush. I didn't see enough of it. And that's a big concern. Now, that sets up a very interesting early season game in Miami. You've got the Dolphins, who squeaked by New England due to a costly fumble. And they will be home to take on the Bills. Now, the Dolphins, they edged out the Patriots 17-16. I got to tell you, I was very impressed with Mac Jones. 29-39 for 281 yards on a touchdown. Very impressed with Jones. I thought he played very well. Tua, yeah, I got to tell you, I'm not that crazy with what I'm seeing from Tua. You know, I thought he had a couple bad throws, that interception, you know, spinning away from traffic, throwing it up into a crowd. You can't do that in the NFL. And it almost cost Miami. Now, when I say I'm not crazy about Tua, I think he has a high ceiling. But he's he, there's just a couple of plays in a game that I thought that if I'm a Dolphins fan would make me very nervous. But now all of a sudden, you got Miami at home, Sunday afternoon, 1 o'clock. It's going to be hot and humid in all likelihood. Taking on a Bills team that did not play well, who is projected to win that division. Many, including myself, project them to be the number one seed in the conference, and they still may. But if they lose to Miami this week, they're already facing a large uphill climb. No doubt about it. They are facing a uphill climb if they do not come down to Florida and beat the Dolphins on Sunday. Really appreciate everybody being here on Listen Up. If you want to join, just hit the hand icon and uh, we will get you right on and then make sure your mic is on as well. All right, tonight you got a Baltimore team that's got injuries all over the football field going in to take a Raiders team and an underachieving John Gruden in his first three years. You have a Raiders team that's playing at home in which there will be a jam-packed, crazy fan base. It is going to be loud in there. And this is a game the Raiders should win. They should win this game because they're at home against an injury-riddled team. They should win. They should absolutely win this game. All right, let's check in with Dan. Dan, thank you so much for joining me here on Listen Up. How are you today? Uh, hi, Grant. I'm doing well. Good to be here. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the Minnesota versus Bengals game, especially that overtime call. Do you think uh, Dalvin Cook was down before the ball dropped, or was that legit? It's a great call. I mean, I, I was like everybody else. You know, I thought four or five replays, um, and I thought that had they called it the other way, they probably would have kept that the same way. But yes, I, I know if you're a Vikings fan, you're probably thinking they got that wrong. You know, there were a couple of turnover replays this weekend in the NFL that I thought would go the other way, and it didn't. I wonder if the replay system and how they're interpreting turnovers this year has changed a little bit. But Dan, I got to tell you, it was a gutsy call, gutsy call by the Bengals in overtime, going forward on fourth down. And uh, I'll tell you something else. I, I, I Again, I know you're probably a Vikings fan, but that Joe Burrow impresses the heck out of me. I, I think he is going to be really, really, really good. I thought Cousins was very good. I mean, what, did he throw, what, 36 for 49 for, what, 350 yards, two touchdowns. I can't blame that game on, on Cousins. The Bengals, they did enough to win the game. And But, you know, again, your call about that replay, too close to overturn, in my opinion. Did you, did you think they got it wrong? 
Yeah, I think to me it looked like Dalvin was like sitting on the ground when the ball came out, but I didn't see all the angles of the replay. Yeah. Hey, I appreciate Dan. Thanks very much for uh, the phone call and thanks for listening here on Listen Up. I, I, that's the whole thing. I don't think they had the right angle. And with all the other bodies around him, you know, I think there was just that little bit, you know, it has to be, you know, indisputable, it has to be 100%. And, and obviously it wasn't. So uh, thanks for starting us off, Dan. If you want to get on the program, just hit the hand icon and uh, we will get you uh, right in. But, you know, you talk about the Vikings and, you know, Cincinnati's a little better than I thought they were. I got to be honest with you. And I thought Jamar Chase, who had the dropsies, in the preseason, he was really good. Five catches for 101 yards and a touchdown. And the Bengals, who took the lead into the fourth quarter, were outscored 10-3 in the fourth. But they went in overtime right at the end of overtime to go up 27-24 to and the uh, final score. Really, really a good game. But I got to tell you, the Cincinnati Bengals may be a little bit better that I gave him credit for. And I'll tell you, Joe Burrow, I don't know if you saw that game. Joe Burrow is good. He is really good. I'll tell you who else is really good. Justin Herbert. Like, he is really, really good. 31 of 47 for 337 and a touchdown. And I don't want to get carried away here. I really don't want to get carried away because they're only in their second year. But to me, you know, 15 years from now, I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about Herbert and Burrow as guys that are going to be going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That's how good I think they are. I mean, I, I I love everything about these two guys. Really good. And, you know, the Chargers, they get a gritty, gritty touchdown on the fourth. They win 20 to 16. I really feel bad for Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's got a hip injury. He's going to be out six to eight weeks. And now Washington, on a short week, takes on the pathetic New York Giants in Landover. Giants are terrible. Just absolutely awful as Teddy Bridgewater uh, looked like uh, freaking Johnny Unitas in his prime out there. And uh, the Denver Broncos went up and down the field at will, at will. And Bridgewater had a great game. The Broncos, 27-13. The Giants looked lost on defense. The time of possession was horrible. Uh, Broncos had... It seemed like they had the football uh, the entire day. I mean, the entire day. But I'll tell you one thing. It was so great to check out all the games. And that's what I do on Sundays. I got a couple of TVs out. I've got my uh, laptop out. And I'm trying to watch as many games as I can. And the it, it was just so great to have football back. And the atmosphere. And the full stadiums. And, and everything else. You know, and then... Here's another team that surprised me yesterday. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. How about the 32 to 6? Jalen Hurts looked really good. Only what had eight eight was it seven or eight incomplete passes? Threw for what 260, three touchdowns. Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner out of Alabama, six catches, 71 yards, and a touchdown. Philadelphia, look at that, 32 to 6. What's going on with Atlanta? I mean, seriously. The Atlanta Falcons. At home. 32-6. to six In favor of the Eagles. That was not even close. 32-6. to six. You got to ask yourself if you're a fan of the Atlanta Falcons. 
When does basketball season start? That's what you're asking already after one week. Trust me, I'm a Giants fan. I know how it goes after one week. I, I, and I don't want to contradict myself. I say that you don't want to overreact on one game. I'm not overreacting on the Giants. It's th- th- They're terrible. I don't have to overreact. They won't win six games this year. Excuse me. They won't win more than six games this year. And 6-11, and 11, the last time I looked, it's not very good. Hey, if you want to get in and ask a question, just hit the hand icon uh, and make sure your microphone is on as well. And then you had the battle of the quarterbacks in New York and Carolina. Sam Darnold got the win over his former team, 30, or 24 out of 35 for 279 and a touchdown. Once again, Christian McCaffrey, the big guy, when you need a big game, when you need something good to happen, get him the football. And if you get him the football, chances are you're going to be in really good shape. Now, Zach Wilson started off really shaky in this game. I thought he played a lot better later. But his numbers, 20 of 37, two touchdowns and an interception. Meanwhile, Sam Darnold, 24 of 35 for 279 uh, and a touchdown. But he gets the win. He also ran one in. And uh, But McCaffrey, I mean, think about McCaffrey, 98 yards on the ground. Uh, 89 yards in receiving yards. I mean, the guy does it all. You know, he absolutely does it all. Then, of course, you get to the best performance of anyone in the National Football League yesterday. And that has to go back to the Arizona Cardinals and Chandler Jones. And what he did was like one of the great defensive performances that I think anyone could see. And I really mean that. I don't know if I've seen a better defensive performance than what I saw from Chandler Jones. No wonder, all right? No wonder the Cardinals should give him a new deal. I mean, are you kidding me or what? Five touchdowns for Murray. Jones had five sacks, created a couple of fumbles. I mean, he was absolutely... Everywhere. He had three sacks in the first quarter. How about that? Three sacks in the first quarter. He was absolutely everywhere. Everywhere. And by the way, Mike Vrabel, the coach of the Titans, came down hard today on Julio Jones. I mean, he came down real hard on him when he got a uh, penalty, an unsportsmanlike penalty on an important drive in the game which derailed everything, and they had to end up punting. Arizona, by the way, is home next week to Minnesota. And the Titans, who I thought would be really, really good, and they could still be, but they now have a really difficult week two game. They have to go on the road up to the Pacific Northwest and take on Seattle. So those are some of the games. If you want to get on the program, it is so easy to do. You hit that hand icon, and we will get you right on. You want to talk about the Niners? You want to talk about any of the other games or the Raiders tonight taking on the Baltimore Ravens. Pretty much if the Ravens are going to win this game, you think it's going to have to be on the shoulders of Lamar Jackson. And he's very capable. That guy is very capable. And, of course, that Baltimore defense. And, again, if the if the Raiders do not win tonight, and, again, I, I don't want to put too much in one game, but if you're a fan of the Raiders, you could not have this game set up any better than you do. You absolutely could not have this game set up any better than tonight. 
you've got a Baltimore team that has had their running backs go down like flies. You have now their best cornerback out from an injury suffered in practice. I don't even know who's on the Ravens roster anymore. I'm going to have to wait until the game starts. The Raiders at home, again, first, first opportunity for that place to be packed. And it is going to be loud in there. And to me, the Raiders got to be very careful in this game that they do not fall behind early and give that Baltimore team any confidence. Baltimore is a very well-coached team, as we know, by John Harbaugh. They don't make excuses. They're, they're seemingly always ready to play. You know, they are always seemingly ready to go. So I I, I don't think Baltimore is going to go in and lay a, a dud. But I just, I, if the Raiders don't win this game tonight, I will be surprised. Not shocked, but I will be surprised. So there is your week one rundown. Real quickly, we get to uh, college football. How about Oregon going into the shoe and beating Ohio State? I watched that entire game, and I got to tell you something. Oregon, without two of their very best defensive players on the field, took it right to the Ohio State Buckeyes. 35-28, to 28, uh, just really, really a heck of a performance by the Oregon Ducks. Really, really impressive. That was a game I did not see happening. But Ohio State's defense got absolutely manhandled. And now Oregon, huge win for the Pac-12. They are now fourth in the country behind. It's Alabama one, Georgia second, Oklahoma third, and Oregon four. And Iowa, by the way, they took care of uh, their rival, Iowa State. Iowa State was turning the football over left and right to start the second half. And now they are fifth in the AP Top 25, and in the coaches' poll, Iowa is seventh. But again, and, and here's something else I don't understand. Ohio State's at home, all right? They lose to the 12th-ranked team in the country, Oregon, and in the AP 25 poll, they're ninth. How is Ohio State ninth? And then in the coaches' poll, they were 11th. Ohio State should not be in the top 10 after what happened on Saturday. I mean, it just shouldn't happen. I, I don't understand that. I really don't. That makes no sense to me. Clemson being sixth, I, I can understand that because they lost, you know, a one-score game to Georgia. So that I can understand. But Ohio State loses at home to a team not in the top 10, and they're ninth in one poll, and then 11th in the coaches' poll. I don't, I don't like that. I, I don't understand that. So if you want to talk some college football, hit that hand icon, and we will get you uh, right on as well. Now, you know, I talked about the officiating, and you're always going to see calls in games that you don't like. I understand that. That's called sports. I thought for the most part, for the most part, I thought the officiating was very good. I thought it was very good. I didn't think it was good on Thursday night. I thought the officials cost the Cowboys a game. So I want to point that out. You know, that no call on Godwin was horrible. That, 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 that's, that can't happen. That was a very bad call. I talked about that here on Friday's show. That's just, you can't have that. I mean, that's brutal. But I thought that was the worst non-call that I saw of the weekend. So if you want to comment on the officiating, we can do that as well. Again, hit the hand icon. We'll get you right on. So again, my biggest surprises this week, 
New Orleans, Arizona, Pittsburgh, I think in that order. You know, I'm, I'm not surprised the Chargers won. I didn't pick them, but I'm not surprised. Uh, Texans and Taylor, you know, Jacksonville is not very good. And now I'm hearing all these reports out of Jacksonville that Urban Meyer is in way over his head. So don't don't be surprised that that's a real quick deal for Urban Meyer. But the Cardinals surprised me. The Saints surprised me. There's no question the Steelers surprised me. And I got to tell you, the Philadelphia Eagles, I did not think they were going to go in there and put 32 points up and hold the Atlanta Falcons to six. That was a really impressive performance. So those teams right there really impressed me. Niners, listen, Jimmy Garoppolo was really good, right? You know, everybody wants Trey Lance this, Trey Lance that. But if you got Jimmy Garoppolo playing like that, you're not starting Trey Lance, all right? I mean, you're just not. To me, Garoppolo, efficient, 17 of 25 for 314. You know, Lance came in and threw that uh, touchdown. And listen, we know Lance is the future. We get that. You know, we all understand that. But for right now, Garoppolo gives you the best chance to win. All right, now, when you look ahead already after tonight's game to the second week of the NFL season, starts off on Thursday with a dud. You got the Giants at Washington. The final score in that game may be like 13 to 10. Cincinnati goes to Chicago. You have Cleveland at home against Houston. The Rams travel to Indianapolis. Buffalo at Miami. New York. The Jets host New England. The Niners have to travel east to take on Philly. The Raiders are in Pittsburgh. The Saints are at Carolina. Jacksonville hosts Denver. Bad news for Denver. Judy's got a high ankle sprain. It's going to be out anywhere from what I'm hearing, six weeks or so. That's not. That's a big loss for them. Uh, the Vikings take on the Cardinals in the desert. Bucks are home to the Falcons. Cowboys travel to the Chargers at SoFi Stadium in L.A. The Seahawks are at home against Tennessee. Kansas City is at Baltimore. And Detroit is at Green Bay. That's your matchup next week in the NFL. And the best games to me, right out of the box. You know, the first game that I really look at is Dallas at the Chargers. I think it's going to be a very entertaining game. I don't know what's going to happen tonight. I got to see Baltimore before I, you know, talk about Kansas City at Baltimore. But I think that Buffalo-Miami game is going to be very interesting indeed. That is going to be a very interesting matchup. I think the Raiders, again, depending on tonight and how they look going into Pittsburgh, you know, if you're a Raiders fan and you don't win a game against a beat-up, injury-plagued Ravens team, and now you have to go to Pittsburgh facing a 0-2 start, that is not the recipe for success. And then you have Minnesota at Arizona. I think that's going to be a very interesting game. And then can Tennessee bounce back against the Seattle team that went into Indianapolis? And beat the Colts. So those are your week two games. Again, give me a shout. Hit that hand icon at the bottom of your screen. We'll put you right on. The whole weekend to me, as I pointed out, for those of you that joined me a little late, I just thought it was a, a tremendous weekend. The remembrance, the ceremonies. I thought the Army football team all running on to the field 
carrying the American flag was the best thing I saw all weekend. Just just phenomenal. Uh, the the full stadiums, both in college and the National Football League. I thought it was great that we didn't have any more COVID issues impacting teams this weekend because I really thought that we might have some more after what happened with Zach Martin. Speaking of COVID issues, you know, you want to talk about, you know, stick up for what you believe in, right? You talk about, you know, follow what you believe in. Follow what you believe in and don't, don't go against your beliefs or what have you. The assistant coach for the Columbus Blue Jackets. You ready for this? That's a National Hockey League team if you don't follow hockey. Uh, I think his name is Sylvain Lefay, assistant coach. Refused to take the COVID-19 vaccine, and he was fired today by the Columbus Blue Jackets. The statement from the general manager, per NHL protocol, he is unable to do the job we hired him for. Last month, by the way, the NHL sent uh, directives to their teams that basically anyone's job that required them to be within, I believe it was 12 feet, of any club hockey operations personnel, which means players have to be fully vaccinated. All right. So this coach joins the team in June as a new assistant and gets fired today for refusing to take the vaccine. How about that? That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Now think about that. He's, he was coaching in the minors, gets an opportunity to get to the big show, in Columbus, assistant coach, and is out, out, fired. And, you know, you really can't blame Columbus there, can you? I can't blame them. How about Arkansas? Did you see the uh, end of the big victory over Texas? The Southeast Conference, you ready for this? They find Arkansas $100,000. Huh, because it's a second violation, what they call the access to com competition area. And I guess the last time it happened was, what, six, seven years ago against LSU. The policy in college football states that no one other than officials, coaches, players, trainers, etc., all right, are allowed access to the playing field. Now, you might want to ask, now, wh wh what happens to the money that is fined from the SEC? It goes to the postgraduate scholarship fund. So there are going to be a couple of uh, postgraduates that are going to be very happy. Anyway, Texas was ranked 15th. This has been a pretty big rivalry over the years. But now, Arkansas is 2-0 in Texas. Gee whiz. Texas getting beat like that, and then all the fans running onto the field. That's not a call you want to get if you're the athletic director of Arkansas. Hey, you're fined $100,000 because you can't control your fans running onto the field. I, I'm not really sure what you're supposed to do. Like, I, I don't know. What are you going to, like, 
again, I don't really understand uh, what you're supposed to do. I understand that from a safety perspective, trust me, I get it. You know, you don't want fans running onto the field in a melee uh, because there's nothing that security can do. So I, I understand that. But if you're Arkansas, seriously, like what the heck can you do? What can you do? All right, again, if you want to get in on the program today and ask me a question, just hit that hand icon and uh, we will do it. I've given you my thoughts on the weekend. I've given you my thoughts on both the college uh, and the NFL. One tennis note, uh, I was switching back and forth. I watched a little bit of the third set with uh, Medvedev uh, beating Novak Djokovic, who was going for the Grand Slam. Now, Novak didn't have it. I'm not taking anything away from Med- Medvedev, but you know that was a, a very easy match, relatively speaking, uh, for Medvedev. I mean, 6-4. Six four, six four. Uh, that was amazing, absolutely amazing. And Emma Raducanu, with her victory, uh, didn't even lose a set. Her story might even be more unbelievable, as she went up 127 spots in the world rankings after winning the U.S. Open. Uh, the uh, British gal, who no one had ever heard of before comes into New York, takes advantage of a, of a couple of the top players being out, and then Osaka getting upset in the first week. And give her credit. She was very, very good. Very, very good. Uh, did not lose a set in the entire tournament. So those are your thoughts on uh, the weekend. Again, if you want to get in and ask a question, uh, I would love to hear from you. Uh, just hit that hand icon, uh, and we will get you Right on college football this week, a couple of very interesting games. You have got uh, Alabama uh, coming into Florida uh, to take on the Gators. The Crimson Tide obviously ranked uh, number one. Uh, the game that they had this past weekend was just a tune up after beating Miami. They played, I think, what, Mercer College? I don't know. It's just, I hate those games. Just ridiculous. But anyway, you've got uh, number three Oklahoma taking on Nebraska. Nebraska, by the way, uh, unranked. You've got the top-ranked Alabama Crimson Tide at number 11, Florida. Again, that's one of the best games on the card coming up on Saturday. Uh, Iowa has uh, an easy game this week after beating Iowa State. Uh, Clemson plays Georgia Tech, not ranked. Again, Iowa taking on Kent State, not ranked. Ohio State taking on Tulsa, not ranked. Uh, you got Penn State, number 10 in the country, taking on 22, uh, 22nd-ranked Auburn. So at least you got a top 25 game there. And uh, UCLA, boy, what a great start they're off to, number 13 in the country. And they are taking on Fresno State. But the best game on the card uh, appears to be uh, Alabama and number 12, Florida. And that is uh, in Florida. So if you want to talk some college football, uh, we will do that as well. I gave you the uh, NFL schedule. And then NFL training camps are going to be starting here. Or excuse me, NBA training camps are going to be starting in two weeks. I keep on getting a lot of questions about the Kings. And I just don't think right now as their team is constructed, they're a playoff team. And I, I just, you know, to me, they need to make a move or two. Now, they could still. But the team as it is put together right now, to me, is not a playoff team in the Western Conference. It's just not. I don't see, I don't see them being a top eight team in the Western Conference with their team right now i mean who are they better than in the west i mean go down look at the let's start with the pacific are they better than the warriors no 
Clippers no, Lakers no, Suns no. So that's four teams in their own division that they're behind. All right? Southwest division. Better than Dallas? No. Right? So that's six automatically. Northwest division. Better than Denver? No. Better than Utah? No. That's eight. Better than Portland? No. That's nine. All right, now let's talk about some teams that they might be better than. Might. Minnesota? Maybe. Oklahoma City? Maybe. Houston? Maybe. Memphis? Not my opinion, but I mean, I'll, I'll leave them out there. New Orleans? Not my opinion. San Antonio? Yeah, I could see them better than San Antonio. So, again, and I, I know that they're playing tournament. I get all of that, but... I just ran down eight teams that I say they're not even no way that they're better than. And those eight teams are Denver, Portland, Utah, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Suns, the Warriors, and the Mavericks. Right? That's eight teams right there. That's eight. Barring unbelievable injuries, those eight teams are better than the Sacramento Kings. Now, could there be some trades between now and Week one of the NBA season, yeah, I guess there could be. But other than, and again, I wouldn't even say other than. I would just put Minnesota, Oklahoma City, Houston, and the Spurs. I put them and the Kings. I think both the Pelicans and the Grizzlies are a little better than Sacramento. But let's say they're not. You have those six teams fighting for the ninth and ten spots. Right? If that's the way you want to do the math. So you would have Houston, Memphis, New Orleans, San Antonio, Sacramento. Actually, that's seven teams. Minnesota and Oklahoma City fighting for the final two spots in the playoffs. You think Sacramento is really a playoff team after the way I just ran down everything in the West? In the West? Again, they're the worst team in their division by far, barring injury. And they're just, they're not, they're not one of the top eight teams with the roster the way it is. They got to roll the dice. I just don't see how you come back with the same team plus Mitchell. Yeah, you know, so Mitchell plays very good defense. I get that. He looked good in the summer league, and, you know, he's a he's a dog, and I like that. But the NBA is a different animal, and you can only play five guys at once. So you have, you know, Fox, you have Heald, you have Halliburton. You have, I mean, you know, again, Luke Walton can only put five guys out on the floor at one time. That's why I'm still hoping and waiting to see whether or not the Sacramento Kings make a move or two. I mean, they still have Bagley on the team, and I think that is just a, a disaster based on everything that happened last season with his father and his his uncle going on social media all the time. You know, they can't stay away from criticizing the organization, and, you know, it's just a mess. And Marvin, you know, gets hurt getting out of the shower in the morning. So he has not shown any ability at all to stay healthy. And listen, he, he's talented, all right? I, I will give you that. I think the guy's talented. I think that he can be a good player in the NBA. I really do. But you can't be a good player in the NBA from the bench. And again, his father and his family, you know, the Team Bagley social media account, it's embarrassing. It's flat out embarrassing. And, you know, De'Aaron Fox's father, too. Stay off social media when it comes to your team and your son, all right? Don't worry about it. Let the coach handle it. Let the organization take care of it. You know, you don't need the dads of the players 
going on social media and making comments. It's just not healthy. Just stay off your phone when it comes to your son. If you want to, you know, talk about other things, go ahead, talk about other things. But don't be, don't be bringing your son into social media controversy. That's not helping out your son. I, I don't understand that. You know, we talk so much about Lonzo Ball's father. And then he kind of went quiet, right? He kind of got quiet. We don't hear nearly as much from him anymore. But Marvin Bagley's father just can't stay off social media as it relates to the Kings and his son. Now, you would think that maybe after one year, maybe after two years, maybe after three years. No, he hasn't learned. And Marvin didn't help himself out this offseason either with what he did on social media. You know, what was it, liking a tweet about having to get out of Sacramento and then during that time he didn't have anything about the Kings on his Twitter profile, his social media bio? What, what is that all about? I mean, like, what 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 are you trying to prove here? And it, this is a big game, a big year for Marvin because the Kings aren't going to give him a deal. They don't have to, nor should they. Make him a restricted free agent after next season. And if you like him and you want to keep him, then you sign him to a deal. If you still like him and you want him and he gets an offer from another team, then you match it. Right? Here's something else I wanted to talk about. And I said this at the during the year, and I said it at the time, and I'm going to say it again because I've seen some activity on social media as it relates to Harry Giles. I'm a huge Harry Giles fan, first of all, as a person. I think the guy is a quality, quality human being. I love him. Absolutely love the guy. But if you remember, Vladdy Divac got killed for not picking up his last year of his deal, his option. And Harry went to Portland, didn't really play a whole lot. And now he signs down in Los Angeles. I'm rooting for Harry. I'm a big fan of his. But people overvalued Harry. And I did too, by the way. I'm, I'm, I overvalued him too early on in his career. Because I, when I watched him practice, I was just blown away. But unfortunately, due to his ACLs in each knee and his injuries, he's never been able to reach the lofty goals that were set for him when he was the top-ranked player in high school and a guy that everyone said is going to be a big-time star in the NBA. Again, I root for the guy every single day because he's such a great person. I really mean that. Harry Giles is such a phenomenal, phenomenal person, and I root for him. But we talk about going overboard, and the Kings fans went so overboard when the Kings decided not to pick up his option. And how what a terrible move that was. And he ended up signing for the minimum, by the way, after the Kings decided not to pick up his option. So things don't work out in Portland. And now I think, what it is it, the Clippers that he signed with, I believe? And again, I wish him nothing uh, but the best. Hey, if you want to get in on the program today, all you got to do is hit that hand icon and uh, you can ask a question and we will put you right on. But the reason why I'm talking NBA on a, a day after week one in the NFL is because a lot of people don't realize that the training camps are opening in two weeks. So I think the Kings first 
preseason game is October 5th. And then before you know it, uh, the season will begin. But again, right now, as I look at that roster, I, I don't see a playoff team. I do not see a playoff team. I see a team that might might win 35 games, but I, I don't see it. I, I, I don't see it. Are they better defensively? They should be better defensively. They were horrible. Well, first of all, you can't be any worse defensively than they were last year because last year they were an embarrassment on the defensive side of the ball. They were absolutely embarrassing. So they can only be better. They can only be better. You know, getting Mitchell should help. But again, you can only have five guys on the floor at once. You know, Halliburton's not afraid to get into your grill. Uh, but Buddy's not a good defender. The the Bagley's not a good defender. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, how that all works. But again, as I said, I don't see them as a playoff team right now. And again, if you if you disagree with me, the, the eight teams that I just mentioned, if you think they're better than any of those eight teams, I would sure like to know who they're better than. Because I, I do not see it at all. They're not better than anybody in their division. I think we can pretty much automatically go there. Like, you don't even have to go there. They're not better than the Warriors. They're not better than the Clippers. They're not better than the Lakers. They're not better than the Suns. So right off the bat, that's four teams that are going to finish ahead of them in the standings, barring, of course, unforeseen injuries. But that's that. All right, a couple things on this game tonight with Baltimore and Las Vegas. And this is a contest that is, I think, a much bigger game for the Raiders than it is for Baltimore. You have a team in the Baltimore Ravens that have just tons of injuries. Lamar Jackson is going to have to have a huge game. You know, their their running backs don't even know the the playbook. Seriously, right? Lamar Jackson had to watch early in the preseason his top running back, J.K. Dobbins, go down. Right? Um, he had to watch their rookie wide receiver, Rashad Bateman, in practice go down. He had to watch Gus Edwards, the other running back, last week in practice, tearing his ACL. And then in practice, they lose their best defensive back, their best cornerback. And here we are watching a Ravens team that comes into this venue, which, again, no one really knows how loud it can get, but I'm hearing that they built it for the amazing acoustics. And it's going to be loud in there. It's going to be very loud in there. And Jackson, his top three wide receivers missed, I think, I what was it, 38, 39 combined practices during training camp. How about that? So this Ravens team doesn't have a lot of rhythm to it. And I'm not really sure how, other than Lamar Jackson playing like Superman, and he is capable of it. Uh, he is He's the real deal. There's no question about that. Lamar Jackson is the real freaking deal until the playoffs start. But during the regular season, 
The guy's been amazing. And I'll tell you this too. You have a coach in Jaron Harbaugh that does not make excuses. The Ravens will be ready to play tonight, I believe. Monday Night Football, Vegas, the big show. I'd be surprised if the Ravens don't come out and have a game. I don't think they're going to win. I don't think they're going to win because I just I just think right now with their running back situation, I don't I, I just don't know how they can be that effective. You know, they signed Murray, Latavius Murray, uh, Bell, Le'Veon Bell. I mean, they're desperate. They're going after guys left and right. They are down three running backs before the season even begins. So it's going to be Lamar Jackson left, Lamar Jackson right. If you're a Raider fan, you understand that. You know, to me, you don't really have to guard against the run, and the play action to me will not be as effective. That should make it a lot easier defensively on the game plan for the Raiders tonight. Again, we talk about the Raiders and what they're dealing with. You have a John Gruden entering year number four. It's been a big disappointment. He and Mike Mayock, I don't know if they're on the same page or not. And I keep on hearing that Gruden makes all the decisions. And I don't think John Gruden is good at buying the groceries. I'm not crazy of him as a coach either. And, you know, to this point, he's got absolutely nothing to show for it. He hasn't done anything in three years to help turn around the Raiders. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So, you know, if you're looking at this from the Raiders' perspective, this is a big, big game tonight. I think it's a much bigger game for them than it is for Baltimore. No more excuses. No more excuses. And again, I think this place tonight is going to be off the hook. By the way, I I read uh, the report on Josh Jacobs. Uh, from what I heard, he had a good morning walkthrough. So th- th- they need him. He should be on the field. And then the Raiders, there's another aspect. They got four new offensive linemen in this game. Uh, Richie Incognito is out. So John Simpson, who was a fourth-round pick a year ago, I think he started, I believe he started one or two games last year. Uh, he is going to start at left guard for Las Vegas. But the Raiders, they better figure out a way to win this game tonight. They better figure out a way to win this game tonight. And again, when I look at the running back position, Jacobs is huge. Uh, And if you're a Raiders fan, you better hope that he is on the field. So before we wrap this up, if you want to ask me a question, hit the hand icon and we'll put you right on. Uh, I'm going to pick the Raiders tonight even though I believe they're still underdogs, which I cannot believe. But I I think if the Raiders should lose this game at home to open up, when I say open up, op- it's really opening night, I mean, because of the fans coming in. I just think to me, if you are a fan of the Las Vegas Raiders, and I don't want to make too much out of one game, but going to Pittsburgh next week, I I just, I don't see the Raiders having a good season if they lose this game with that emotion in that atmosphere against an injury riddled, not a lot of practice, Baltimore Ravens team. Baltimore may be good this year, but I just think it's going to take a couple of weeks because of all of the injuries and lack of practice time. So keep that in mind. One other note uh, I want to touch on real quickly before we adjourn for this busy, busy Monday. 
Uh, just a real quick baseball story. You have, thank goodness for the wild card, right? Thank goodness for the wild card in Major League Baseball. American League right now, if you're a fan of the A's, they have, they're running out of time because Toronto has 63 losses. Boston and the Yankees have 64. And Seattle and Oakland have 66. All right. In the National League, pretty amazing what has gone on with the Dodgers have 53 losses, the Padres 68, the Reds and the Cardinals and 69. So those are going to be some very interesting couple of final weeks uh, in the season. I mean, Tampa has already won the AL East. The White Sox running away in the Central. Houston running away in the West. Atlanta, you know, they have a five-game lead in the loss column over Philadelphia. That is significant in the middle of September. Milwaukee has already taken care of the Central. The Giants and the Dodgers are going down to the wire. Giants with a marvelous season at 93-50. and 50. And you look at what the Dodgers have done. They're three back in the loss column now. But the Giants, they just keep rolling. They've won seven in a row. They've won nine of their last ten. And they're just having a banner year. An incredible year. But 93-50 and 50 for the San Francisco Giants. Raise your hand if you had the Giants this year having the best record in Major League Baseball. You want to talk about playing some baseball? 45 and 23 at home. And how about their road record? Amazing. 48 wins on the road this year for the Giants. Pretty impressive. Seriously. I don't I don't know of anybody that thought the Giants would have this type of year. I don't even know if the Giants thought they would have this type of year. So if you are a baseball fan, you should have a fun two weeks. But as I was saying, other than the National League West, thank goodness for the wild card. Thank goodness for the wild card or I don't even know why anybody would be watching baseball. I don't know if anybody's watching baseball anyway, although I know the Giants fans are. But, I mean, other than that, I really don't know. Seriously. So, uh, tomorrow I'm going to be back with you again at 6 o'clock Eastern, 3 o'clock Pacific. We're going to talk a lot about tonight's Monday night game with the Raiders and the Ravens. Again, I like the Raiders tonight. I'm not saying they're a better team through 17 weeks than Baltimore, but I think they're going to be better tonight. And I, I will be surprised. If that that stadium tonight is not just electric and electric. And I'll tell you something else, and I hate to say this, because I saw what happened at the Rams-Buffalo game last, or excuse me, the Rams-Bears game last night. Uh, not in the stands, but in the concourse. The big brawl. I, I guarantee you tomorrow I'm going to come on at 6 o'clock, 3 o'clock Pacific, and I'm going to be talking about the unruly fan behavior and a fight or two or a brawl or two. I, I don't get it. I don't understand why every single game we're talking about that. I'm seeing it in the baseball rivalries now. I'm seeing it, you know, I saw it two weeks ago in the Giants-Dodgers game. You know, I saw it in the preseason game with the Rams and the Chargers. Again, the last night, the Rams and the Bears. You know, I'm seeing it in too many other venues where fans are just out of control. And there's only a couple. I get that. You know, you know the 99% of the fans are not acting like idiots at the game. But the fighting that has gone on in our stadiums, in our games, just seems to me out of control. And, you know, you see the video of the fights on airplanes now and unruly passengers. And I see fights at the airport. I mean, it's crazy. I see fights at the grocery stores. 
Really? I mean, when's the last time you walked into go grocery shopping and a brawl breaks out, right? But I mean, it seems like every week I'm looking at video from brawls in supermarkets. Like, what is wrong with people? Really? What, who, who does that? And the reason why I say that is, you know, with games, a lot of times, probably 100%, the fans are intoxicated. Not that that gives you a free pass to act like an idiot and get in a fight. But, you know, I, I go grocery shopping quite a bit. I don't recall drunk people in the store. So you can't blame it on that. And I'm not blaming it on, well, I am blaming it on alcohol. I, I mean, I, I don't, I am blaming it on alcohol at the games. It, it is 100% related to drinking. I don't think there's any question about that. But what are you going to do about it? You're going to stop selling alcohol at games? No. And if you do, are you going to, what are you going to do? You're going to police every single person that goes to a game starting at six in the morning when they're tailgating or they're going to bars before the game or restaurants or whatever the case. I mean, you got to be realistic about this, but I'm just telling you that the, the, the pictures I saw of the brawl at SoFi last night, it's just ugly, horrible. And again, I have a film tomorrow. I'm going to be coming on at six o'clock Eastern and I'm going to be talking about, you know, the fights at the game tonight, because you, you know, and I know that there's been a lot of partying going on in Las Vegas today by fans that are getting ready to walk into that stadium very soon for the, what, 8.20 Eastern time kickoff. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. All right, hey, I really appreciate you joining me today on Listen App. I'm going to come at you again tomorrow. We'll be with you at 6 o'clock East, 3 o'clock Pacific. Get your questions ready. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to keep this rolling, all right? Make it a fabulous rest of the day. Grant Napier saying so long, everybody. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.